what is destructive and hard right now in this life, God is working in the midst of that to bring about redemption. And one of the great stories in the Bible is of a flood and how God used that flood to bring about the salvation, the redemption of Noah and his family. And so uh, I don't know what you're going through today, but maybe you feel like there's a flood in your life, but God's glory is greater and his redemption, his power to redeem is greater than anything that might come into our lives. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can sing. Thank you for the church, the people that you love, the people that you've called your own, who you've given us your name, Jesus. You came to give us an identity, a purpose. You've given us new life, new hope, a new future. And so God, we just come here tonight trusting that you are working in our lives, that you are speaking to each and every person through your Holy Spirit, that your word will not return void, that God, your plan and your purpose in each person's life here tonight is going to be accomplished because you have promised, you have said it. And so God, we believe that, we hold on to that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for some of you who are joining us, we are in a a long series in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's been a, an amazing time to uh, explore what Jesus, I believe, came to do here on this planet, and what he came to do in our lives, and in each and every person's life. And so, the Sermon on the Mount is, I believe, one of the most important uh, teachings that we have about what is the kingdom of God. Because if you remember in chapter 4, Jesus preached a message. His message was, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's breaking out. It's here. And so Jesus preached that message, and now he's explaining what is the kingdom. What does it mean that God is near, <laughs> that he is working? And, and I told uh, you that the way I see the kingdom is it's the rule and the reign of God. God is Lord. Jesus is Lord over all. And so it's the rule and reign, but it's also the will of God. Meaning God is expressing, showing us what his will is, and it's also the action of God. So God is not somewhere far off. He's not a distant God. He's a near God. He's an active God. He's a living God. And so he's working in our, in our midst and in human history. And so Jesus declares that the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. Now, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, we're discovering this is extremely practical. So what Jesus is talking about in the kingdom isn't sometime after we die and we go to heaven. What Jesus is talking about is life right now. He's talking about our lives on this earth and the invasion of his kingdom on earth. And so we know the Lord's Prayer, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's this, there's this coming of heaven on earth and its arrival its inauguration is jesus himself jesus himself has ushered in the kingdom of god and so we're not talking about some future time in heaven although there will be a future time in heaven and i look forward to that time but the kingdom of god is available right now and that's why jesus is talking about things that we deal with right now on this planet, on this earth, in this life. So it's very practical. And as we've gone through, I want to just remind us of a couple things. Number one, the sermon begins by Jesus teaching, but it says his disciples 
came to him. And so I believe the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount are not meant for everyone. They're meant for disciples. He's talking to those who have given and decided to follow Jesus, who have surrendered their lives to the call of Jesus. And if you remember in chapter uh, verse five, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, that there was the crowd who were kind of interested in Jesus, but weren't all in. But then there were the disciples who had said, we're leaving everything behind because we want to follow you, Jesus. And so this sermon is meant for those who are disciples. And I, I challenged many of you, where are you? Are you part of the crowd or have you become a disciple? Have you decided to follow Jesus? And so we have to understand this sermon in that light. Second thing that we need to understand is Jesus is introducing the values of the kingdom. He's, he's flipping the script of what the world says is valuable. And so the world is chasing after success, fulfillment. The world is looking for satisfaction and lots of different things. And on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has given us a radical new picture of what really fulfills, what really satisfies, what will really bring about success in your life and my life. And so this is what we call the blessed life. And so Jesus begins by declaring blessing. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to bring blessing and not a curse? (laughs) And so remember, the Sermon on the Mount is not about condemnation. It's about blessing. Jesus is declaring blessing. But he's inviting us to take on the values of the kingdom, which means we have to lay aside the values of this world, right? And so there's a contrast. There's a contrast between the world's values and God's values. Later in the sermon in in verses uh, um, 20, uh, verses 19 and 20, Jesus compares the righteousness of the Pharisee and the teacher of the law, who were religious people, who seemed to be doing good things, but he says, Their kind of righteousness is very different from God's kind of righteousness. The the righteousness that God is talking to us about in the Sermon on the Mount is not self-righteousness. It's not something that we produce on our own. Rather, it's the breakthrough of God. It's the breakthrough of God. It's the breakthrough of God's grace in our lives in the presence and the person of Jesus. And so, Jesus is a game changer. (laughs) So, Don't interpret this sermon as many people have mistakenly thinking this is just a new law that somehow we got to work harder and try to make happen on our own. You've missed the message. (laughs) Jesus is saying blessing is only found in him. That it is his power, his presence, his kingdom that's making available to us transformation. He's talking about the transformation of our hearts. And so this sermon has everything to do with our success and fulfillment in life because God is a God of love and His desire is to fulfill us and to bring about the full satisfaction of what we were created for. In verses 13 through 16, Jesus says very clearly why we're here. Why, why are we here on this earth? Why are we living? He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, I can easily go past that and not really capture what he's saying. But he's saying, you have a purpose. You have a powerful purpose. And he tells us what that is. He says, he says let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He created you. He has you here on this earth because he wants to bring his blessing into your life so that you can bring goodness and blessing to others. <laughs> This is what Jesus said is the greatest command, to love God with all our hearts and to love others 
as we love ourselves. And so this is the purpose. This is the calling of God in our lives to be vessels of goodness, to bring about glory and worship and praise of our Father in heaven. This evening, we are moving through, uh, starting in verse 21, uh, Jesus began to dive into some real practical issues in the human heart. And the Pharisee would say, hey, I have never murdered, so I'm a pretty good person. The Pharisee would say, hey, I've never committed adultery, so I must be a good person. The Pharisee might say, hey, I've never divorced illegally my wife, so I must be a good person. But Jesus says, the righteousness of the kingdom is not external, meaning you can't just pretend or have a good face but not deal with the issues of your heart. So he says, hey, if you've ever been angry, that's a problem. (laughs) If you've ever lusted sexually after someone, that's a problem. If you've ever um, committed uh, uh, adultery or through divorce, then that's a problem. So he is addressing the heart issue of the human person. He's saying, I want to deal with your heart. I want to transform your heart. And then those external behavior things will be produced in your life. But come and accept what God has for you in your hearts. Now, these topics are difficult. Now, I don't think we can read this and, or hear this, read this passage of the Sermon on the Mount and think, I'm good. <laughs> and if you do, if you read through this and say, and you're not a little uncomfortable, then I don't think you're really listening. <laughs> this offends all of us. This offends me because I look in my own heart and I see, man, there's, there's anger there. There's a tendency towards lust. There's, there's these things that, that God wants to deal with in my heart. And so there's none of us that get off scot-free in this. <laughs> Jesus cares too much about us. He cares too much about you. He wants to deal with the heart issues and the hard issues of your heart. And so that's why Jesus is talking about these things. So today's passage is uh, about words. So if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, or read on the screen. I'm going to read starting in verse 33 through 37. Here's what God says. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. But I tell you, Do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. You need, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So what is Jesus talking about here? I'll have to admit to you that these, this part of the Sermon on the Mount probably makes me squirm uh, more than any other at this point in my life. Words are something I use every day. <laughs> and, uh, and as a pastor, I use too many words, it feels like, every day as I interact with people. The Bible talks about words probably more than anything else. Maybe money, but words and money are, are probably some of the most top, some of the most common topic that the Bible addresses. And I think that's because those are two areas that truly reflect our hearts. Our words and our money really show 
where our hearts are. And Jesus is going to talk about money later in the sermon, so uh, we'll have to talk about that too. But in this passage, Jesus is talking about our words, how we speak. Now, I want you to notice in, in verse 33, Jesus says, again, that's a key, because that means he's continuing a thought. So starting all the way in verse 21, and I believe verse 20 helps us understand Jesus is comparing one kind of righteousness, the righteousness of the Pharisee, with the righteousness of the kingdom that comes from God. And so he says, you have heard it said, and then he says, but I tell you. So he's comparing and contrasting, comparing and contrasting. So he's wanting to change our thinking. Our thinking gets off. (laughs) Our thinking gets wrong. And so Jesus is helping us understand how does God want us to think about things. And so the Pharisee looks at this and says, hey, I've never murdered, so I'm good. But Jesus says, don't think that way. Look at your heart. Have you ever been angry? Look at the anger in your heart. And so Jesus is comparing and contrasting. Remember, the Pharisee justified themselves based on their external appearance. So the Pharisee looked only on the outside and did not look at the true heart. Also, the Pharisee self-justified. Remember, Jesus told the story of two men praying. One was a Pharisee who was praying and saying, God, thank you I'm not like this sinner, this tax collector, and that I've done all these good things. And then the tax collector didn't even look up, and he just beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, it's that man who has the heart that God hears that prayer. And so the Pharisee was what? Comparing himself to someone else and said, I'm pretty good. And so the Pharisee looks external, self-justifies, and then compares himself to others. And so the Pharisee is either judgmental um, on others, bring condemnation on others, or condemnation on themselves. So either this produces pride or self-condemnation. And that's not where God wants us to live. And so Jesus says, again, so he's continuing the same theme of comparing the kinds of righteousness that God wants. The kind of righteousness that God wants is a heart change. (laughs) He wants a heart transplant. He wants to make us into new kinds of people. Because all of us, if we just did behavior modification, we could do pretty good for about 30 days, maybe. (laughs) Right? 30 seconds. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for the honesty, man. (laughs) So we we can try really hard for a while, but then we just kind of go back to what we've always done, right? I've seen that in my life. And so what Jesus is talking about here is not behavior modification. He's talking about the transformation of our hearts. He's talking about who we are when no one's looking. He's talking about what we are and who we are. He's talking about being. And so Jesus isn't talking about doing and better performance. He's talking about changing who we are. And, and Jesus is making that possible. And so he says, you have heard it said. And so, but then he says, but I tell you. So what, what did he say you've heard? Do not break an oath, but fulfill it to the Lord. So he's talking about oaths, which is a way of saying promises. So he's talking about making promises. And in many cultures, including ours, we have different kinds of ways of making promises, right? So when a politician uh, 
You know, they make an oath on the Bible. When we get married, we exchange rings and we make a promise. So we have lots of symbols and ways of making promises. And we have simple ones where kids will say, uh, cross my fingers, hope to die. I don't remember exactly how that goes. But, right, we have these kind of ways of saying, I'm really going to do something. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. So this was common for people in Jesus' day. And I think it's common in our day for people to make promises and to make oaths in different ways. But Jesus isn't just concerned with our outward oaths. He's talking about our hearts and how we keep our promises. Now, why do you think words are, are so important? I've always thought that words highlight something really special about us as, as people. Um, animals, if you observe them, communicate, right, in different ways, um, and they can make sounds, but, but there's no language. Um, one of my favorite courses I ever took in college was a, a course called Second Language Acquisition, and, and you study how, how do you learn language, how do people develop language, and it, it's a, a phenomenal work of God, I think, because there is no scientific explanation for how we can develop language. There's no way to understand how that came about in human beings because it's extremely complex. It's extremely um, difficult. But kids, as they grow up, as they hear it, as they absorb it, they learn it. Now, if you don't believe it's extremely difficult and complex, go try to learn a language. (laughs) And you will discover it's extremely difficult and extremely complex. But God has designed us to be speaking people. I think that's a reflection of God who's a speaking God, (laughs) right? In Genesis, it says, he spoke the world into being. And so language is a direct reflection of who God is. And it's in us. (laughs) We are image bearers of God. And so words are extremely powerful. They're extremely uh, beautiful. Uh, We sing, we have poetry, we, we, we do so many things with words. In fact, you can't even have a relationship without words, right? Um, the way we communicate, the way we get to know each other, the way we love one another is through our words. And so words are so important. I think Jesus, when he talks about words, I think one of the most uh, interesting things he said in, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And he, here's what Jesus says. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is saying one of the direct channels from the human heart to the world is through what we say. So what we speak is a, is a direct reflection of who we are. That's, that's kind of scary. <laughs> you know, we're, we like to be pretty private. And we, you know, we kind of move about in the world and we want to present ourselves in, in certain ways. And, and this is a big deal because, uh, you know, social media has kind of made it permanent, you know, what we say. <laughs> and so... So, I mean, words are gaining a lot of weight. They've always had a lot of weight, but so much happens with, with words. And so, but we don't always think about it. We don't always think about what we say. And I think what Jesus is talking about here is, what do we promise? What do we say? What do we agree to every day? That's kind of a scary thought. You know, if we think about every day and we look back, 
okay, what did I say today? <laughs> and, and we start thinking about the weight of what we say and the weight of what that does to other people, to relationships, in business, in so many different areas. And so Jesus is addressing the heart because words are important. And so how did the Pharisees use words? And so Jesus is talking here about some common sayings, common phrases that people would say when they really were saying, I'm going to do something. I'm going to promise to do something. So they would talk about God's throne. They would talk about the earth. They would talk about Jerusalem. They would talk about their own hair. So they would use all these things to try to add weight. Here's what Jesus is saying. They're using words in a, in a manipulative way. A manipulative way. And this is convicting because can't we all see that in ourselves? I can see it in myself. Many times we use words to get things that we want. Okay? We can use words to try to impress others. Try to gain attention to ourselves. And we can use words sometimes to seem more powerful or important than we really are. And so Jesus is, is talking about this tendency in all of us. And remember, we can point our fingers at the Pharisees and say, man, they got it all wrong, but there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us, if we're honest. And so we have to look at how we use words. And then we look at what, what does Jesus say? What does he invite us to? And this is the transformation. This is the change that he wants to do in our hearts. He wants us to get to this place in our lives that our words reflect a heart that can simply say yes or no. <laughs> and so we don't have to use impressive language. We don't have to puff ourselves up as if we're more powerful or important. We don't have to try to manipulate to get things. We can just be who we are. <laughs> Doesn't that sound freeing? <laughs> Liberating? <laughs> that sounds wonderful to me. So here's what I think Jesus is after. He's after truth. He's after being truth tellers, the kind of people that keep our promises. Remember, he says again, and he's following the same line of thought with the issue of anger and lust and uh, divorce. And each of those issues are relational issues. Because if you go back, you see Jesus is really concerned about love and how people love each other. And so each of these relational issues, Jesus is addressing at the heart issue. And the issue with words is that this is the, the crux of how we have relationships in this world. Whether it's a marriage, my, my wife's here with a vow of saying, saying, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. I'm going to be faithful to you the rest of my life. Those are powerful words. Or in business, or with our kids. All of those areas, those words have power, they have meaning. And so Jesus is inviting us to come to the place of truthfulness where we can speak truth of what we can do and can't do. I think this says that our value has to come from God and not from trying to impress people. I think this is what Jesus is trying to say because if I'm honest, there's a tendency in me to try to impress other people, to want to look good in front of other people. And I can use words in that way. But I think what Jesus is saying is, if I find my value and my worth in him, then I can 
I can rest in that, and my words can reflect that kind of rest in him. It's really about trust. It's really about trust in God, and that trust in God enables us to trust others and to bring about trust in all of our relationships, because that's the issue here. Words have power to either lift up and give life, or they have the power of death. And so what Jesus is saying is we can be the kind of people who can speak truth and trust into all of our relationships. It's interesting, uh, one, of, uh, one of the things um, I've read about is people have measured how economies work around the world. And it's, it's really fascinating. Why, why do some countries flourish and some cultures flourish economically and others don't? And there's a, there's a guy named Steve Knack. He's a, he works for the World Bank. And he says, he says trust is probably the one of the most important aspects of any economy. And again, this is talking about money, but, but it's really about promises, how we make agreements with one another. And he says, he says that in the U.S. economy, he thinks 99% of our economy comes down to trust. <laughs> and that's, that's quite a statement. That is quite a statement. But I just use that illustration as a point that what Jesus is addressing is a root human issue that affects all of our relationships, that affects us in our homes, it affects in our business, but it ultimately affects our world. It affects how our country works. It affects how we interact in the world. And so I think what Jesus is inviting us to be is the kind of person that's unfazed by people's expectations, by trying to impress others, that we can find our value, our worth, our identity, our blessedness in Jesus. And because of that, we can speak simple, plain words that reflect promise-keeping in our lives. That's amazing. Could you imagine living in a world where you could count on the word of every person (laughs) who spoke to you? (laughs) That would be phenomenal. I want to live in that kind of world, but I recognize that the problem is with me. It's not out there. It starts right here in my own heart. So our words reflect who we are. Our words reflect the kind of trusting relationship we have with God and the kind of trust and relationships we can have with other people. Remember what Jesus, I think, is ultimately inviting us in the Sermon on the Mount is to the life of love. And he's going to make that really plain in the next few weeks, I think Chris is preaching next week, and he's going to be talking about people who harm us, and then we're going to be looking at enemies. And so how do we love people who even mistreat us? And so the kind of love that Jesus is talking about doesn't start out there. It starts right here. He's inviting us to address the heart issue of our words, not to, to, to just work harder to to speak nice. <laughs> uh, I've had, a, a, as a pastor, it's interesting when I, people find that they, when people talk to me and then they find out I'm a pastor, they start talking very different. <laughs> it's interesting. And I, I, don't, I don't like it. And a lot of times I don't tell people I'm a pastor because I don't want them to, but, but it just shows our tendency to try to work hard to act different around certain people or, or do different things. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to be kind of people who can talk the same around whoever, whenever. I, and I want to end with this. My youngest son, who's, uh, who was sitting up here, he's three, or, yeah, he's three. Um, <laughs> sure? they, they always change their ages. 
everywhere. Isn't that crazy? I don't know how that works. <laughs> so I love what he says he, when he asks me a question. He says, Daddy. He says, yes or no, yes or no. And he's done that for, for years, he, or not years, or maybe the last year. He just says, he'll ask me a question. He says, Daddy, yes or no, yes or no. And I love that. Because as a child in his simplicity, he doesn't want a great explanation. He doesn't want an excuse. He just wants to know, Dad, is it yes or no? And I think that's what Jesus wants to remind us of in the Sermon on the Mount. Would you join me in praying as the worship team comes up? Lord, thank you for your presence here tonight. And Lord, uh, this can be a convicting message for us, Lord, as we think back on words that maybe we've spoken, promises we've made. But Lord... You are a forgiving God. You are gracious. Thank you that you did not come to condemn us, but you came to save us. And so, Lord, I just pray each person here as they wrestle with this issue that they would trust you, that they would find their value in you, and they would find that, God, you can change our hearts, and that, God, we'd be the kind of people who can reflect your truth, your simplicity, and your promise-keeping. In Jesus' name, amen.